So I need to tell everybody this. I was compelled. I was told Holly May and Taylor from Real to Real Unpacked. They said, Christy, Instagram. You got to do Instagram. So I went to Bubby. That Bubby's my son, Wyland. I call him Bubby. It used to be Bubbles. And then I switched it to Bubby for short. My little man, six foot three, 15 year old little man. And I said, son, do you know much about this Instagram? What are you supposed to do? And he says, no, mom, don't know much. Really can't help you too much. And I went, okay. So I go on there. Now, I watched him set me up like a Fiverr account. Because I told you, if I can find a sponsor, I will, you know, if I can. So he's setting up, and I'm watching him look at three computer screens. And I'm like, man, what are you? Okay, cool, you know. He got, like, all these typing awards in elementary school. He's, he's, a, he's a whiz, right? But he doesn't understand Instagram. So I get connected to it, and then I'm trying to put on it, and I said, well, I can't post any words. Why can't I post any words? <laughs> Evidently, it's for pictures and videos. So I'm trying to figure out how to link and how to do all this. Well, in the middle of setting everything up took forever, but I get it set up, and then it says people you'd like to follow. One of those people is my son. He won't accept my request. But it's okay. If I, you know, when I was 15, I did not want my mother in every little bit of my life. Lord help me. I would have turned out differently, maybe. But my son, I'm very fortunate. I hope, you know, he confides in me and tells me as much as possible. And then I just do the best I can to to spy without being a helicopter mom or snowplowing mom because I just don't want to miss anything. But I try to give him his freedom. And I told him, I said, son, I tried to unfollow you or or, or take away my request because it's embarrassing. I said, but it's okay. I, I don't want to invade your privacy. He has 248 followers. Follow. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. But I get it. And it's cool. And I said, son, you're going to be the president of my multi-million dollar media company when AWOL Zebra is putting out t-shirts and we're spreading the word about fashion. I said, this is going to be incredible. I said, just help me get through this Instagram thing. And so mention, mention in the Instagram, there's AWOL Zebra podcast. Because I was told if you're 40 and over, you're on Facebook. Well, that's me. And I wasn't even on Facebook. I don't even want to get to Twitter and, and whatever else there is. Oh, gosh, I can't even imagine. I'm still, I, I mean, just really. But then on Facebook, there's AWOL Zebra Podcast as well. So if you can follow us and all, that's super cool. And you can always message me because I'm getting a lot of individual messages. And that's cool. But if you'd like to, you know, hey, but it's there. I don't know. I'm supposed to ask you to like these things. I don't really know. I'm supposed to build followers. I don't, whatever. But still, so I've got the Instagram set up. Super cool. You hear that? It's my kitten. She's walking around the background. She's trying. She's like, why am I not having a lap to sit on? It's because I don't feel like sitting down right now because I'm not in major pain. I'm still not collapsing. I'm working on the transverse abdominis. I just worked on trying to manipulate my big toe with muscle activation. That's a whole another thing. That's what I'm trying to do. But this is kind of getting me. She's upset. So she's all over my paperwork. And then my husband's popping in and out. And so, and it's raining outside. And so it's a lovely day because I love the rain. But I'm a little pissy. Now, the other day, I'm, I'm going to be 53 in May. And my husband had to go to the hospital. Well, I have a handicap placard. So I was looking for a handicap spot. 
and there was none to be had at the hospital. And this was a big hospital. Like this was an hour away. So this was big city to me. And I'm going, oh my gosh, just get me back home, you know, through the tunnel and back home so I can make it. But we had to have a valet. I've never in my life had a valet ever, ever, ever in my life. And who carries cash around? I carry an emergency. If you ever go to rob me, I have a $20 bill. I carry an emergency $20 bill. It used to be like a quarter in my bra. It was a dime. But then when I could wear a bra, I stuffed it. But when I had a bra, I'd put a dime in it and then it was in your shoe and then it kind of gets all messed up. Then it went to a quarter. And then when the quarter weighed more than my bosoms did, I figured, (laughs) luckily, Luckily, cell phones came into play, and I didn't have to worry about that. But I had a valet for the first time, reluctantly so, but I did it. And I get back in, I thank the gentleman, and I said, Sir, what do I pay you? What what do I do? Oh, no, nothing. But if you want to be, uh, if you, what was it? If you want to be complimentary, you can. I said, Well, I thank you. I appreciate the good job you've done. I, I don't have cash. I, I'm so sorry. I, I, this was unexpected. And my husband luckily had some money and he gave him $5. And we're getting in the vehicle, going down the road. And I went, oh, my lands. And he's like, what's wrong? I said, my seat's been moved. My seat. (laughs) And that is like, you know, being charged for stuff when you think it's for free. And then having my seat moved is like (laughs) the fact that I'm still talking about it. And it was days ago. And the fact that I was talking about it when my husband and I were like an hour, you know, into going home. He said, it's still bothering you. I said, you're darn right it is. My mother always told me, now my, my sperm donor, my biological father, tall Paul, he was seven foot one. So he hated it. He had to make his own water bed. He slept with his eyes open because he had to wear hard contacts. And I, that was a freaky thing. But anyway, I don't, luckily, he, I mean, he gave me up so I didn't have to see it growing up. But anyway, he had the position of his seat the way he wanted it. And if my mother drove his vehicle, God forbid if she moved it. So she told me that story when I was a little girl and they were divorced. And I thought, oh my goodness, don't ever change a person's seat. You will lose them forever. Because when you're like four years old and you hear the story, you think my daddy left my mommy over that seat. Now, you know, it's not true, but to this day, if I, and it's a rarity because I don't like borrowing things from people, but if I borrow a vehicle, nine times out of 10, the person, I'm six foot one, and the person is shorter than me. I am so uncomfortable, and I am squished up into that steering wheel, but I will not move that seat. Not in the slightest bit, because I'm so grateful they're letting me use their vehicle. But it's hard to get your seat back, you know, the way it is. And it's it's and it's harder now because it it goes up and back and then it's got these little lumbar things and then I have it just right now I've got a heated seat that's my requirement. We were looking for a vehicle because I had to get rid, which I would not have, of my two thousand one green F one fifty pickup truck. It was a manual uh, stick shift. I absolutely loved it, and my left hip started giving out all because of fascia. And if I had known about it, we could have saved me from having to get a new vehicle. But huh. My requirement was remote start and heated seat, and then it threw in a heated ste- steering wheel to boot. You darn tootin', that's my forever vehicle. I've barely put any miles on it because I've been bedridden, but she looks good in the driveway. And that's a story for another day because of my driveway. But I have that vehicle, and there's change. 
and things like that bother me with the seat. Now, on my old pickup truck, it just, you push a little button and you scoot it back with your feet. 2001. Now, it's all this mechanical stuff. Easily fixable, but I'm still questioning, is it the same spot? I do not know. I don't like change, period. I do not like change. And I don't like the way things have changed, like with customer service and with people in general. And like my husband and I, we ride the island. There's the, we're down here by the, we were talking about it on the way riding it. And I was like, this is where the, the uh, settlers first landed back in 1607. And he's like, Christy, that's Plymouth Rock. I'm like, well, here in Jamestown in Williamsburg, that, you know, because I was sending it to a friend of mine in, in the Netherlands. And he went, you, just, you lived here all your life and you really don't know your history. I said, no, I do not. But still, it's a nice little trip. It's like five miles and you ride around this island. And there are people that walk this island. Gosh, you're not getting me out there walking because you, it's a long haul. There's nobody picking you up. There's no restroom. There's no Johnny on the spot, nothing. So I will drive the island. And people will walk it and ride it. And when you drive by them, I try to acknowledge them and do like a little wave. And sometimes they just look at you like, I mean, evidently, you've just interrupted their day. I mean, they just don't even want to look your way. And you're thinking, this is supposed to be a pleasant outing. I've never heard of anything bad happening on the island. Now, there were the Parkway murders when I was growing up, and that's another story, the Colonial Parkway, but nothing on the island. And when you're in a boat, man, everybody you ride by is waving to the point that I'm going, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, here comes another boat. Wave, here's another boat, another boat, another boat. You're waving constantly when you're on the river because we're on James River and you'd go out on the boat. We don't do that anymore, but we used to. That's how Wyland was conceived. But still, we went out on the boat and everybody would wave. And now we're going down the island and nobody like wants to wave. And then, you know, you're sitting here and you're dealing with this illness. Now, every day you're battling a doctor. You're trying to explain to a doctor how you feel, and he's trying to tell you it's in your head. Then you've got to tell the people around you, and I'm done with the spoon theory. I like the spoon theory, but I heard something I really liked yesterday because it lit a fire under me when they said it's like a box of matches. But she said a match box, and I went, a match box? That's a car. But then my husband explained to me that a matchbox car was the size of a matchbox, and that's why matchbox makes sense. But I said, but it's a box of matches or a matchbook. But nonetheless, this woman in Australia that I was speaking with, who I consider quite nice, she said, we'll look forward to chatting. It depends on how many matches I burn today and how many people I talk to and things like that. And then I thought, oh my gosh, that's burnout. So that's cool. I mean, you run out of spoons, right? I still can't ever figure out the spoon. I just keep thinking of Julie Andrews and Supercalifragile. But still, the spoon theory, just I just haven't quite figured. But I respect it and I understand it. But I really like this matches thing. So it depended on her matches and how many she had. Now, in business, when you're dealing with people, 
It's like the customer is always right, but not when you go to the doctor's office. I feel like sometimes I'm made to feel like an idiot, and now I'm trying to explain fascia, saying, look, I had these adhesions released, and they're like, I don't know what you've had done. Here's another pill. And you're like, but no, really, this is what I'm having done. So then you're sitting there trying to explain to them. Well, on top of all of this, I had one of the most irritating things happen to me, and there's nothing I can do. And I brought this up to my new friend, Lily, in the UK. Love that name, Lily. And uh, she's fun. It, it's fun to chat with other people that have this illness. I'm sorry that we're meeting this way, but... It sometimes helps my pain to chat with other people, you know, in any form or fashion. I'm not one for having people around. That's why I worked as a disc jockey in a room of one. You didn't like what I had to say, you just turned off the radio. You know, you want to hear what I say, you turn me on. It's that, that's that simple. So I have Lily, and I said, I'm a little pissy. She said, why? I said, I was so proud of myself. Now, as far as pain medication goes, that is a slippery slope. I have had incidences where the pain was so bad that I was finishing my medication early, that the right amount of medication, what I was supposed to take, wasn't enough. And I would take more. And it was a miserable experience. And I finally accepted that I didn't need the medication because it wasn't working anyway, so I quit taking it. And then in 2021, I had to ask for a pain pill back because it got that bad. It truly got that bad. And I said, Dr. Jones, and I got all sound like, B-M, Dr. Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, just because he's so nice, and I'm sorry I sang, but... I'm not getting paid, and it's not costing anything, and I appreciate you being here, but I'm not trying to irritate you. But Dr. Jones has been very kind to me, and I reluctantly had to ask him for pain medication. So I pride myself on monitoring myself and, and having control with that pain medication, okay, to the point that I bought a pill safe, a little bitty bottle with a little combination lock on the top. And what I do, as soon as I get home, I pour that bottle of medication into the pill safe. And then I take out my day supply and I put in the prescription bottle. Then when that is empty, that is it for the day. And if I want more medication, I have a lot to go through in order to get that pill. That might sound stupid, but that's how I regulate it. And I'm trying to accept, you know, that... I will probably have to be on pain medication for the rest of my life. And I am not part of this opioid problem that they're having. I have the problem. I do not have a pain management problem. I have a pain problem. So I was so proud of myself because I'm allowed six a day. I've been taking four. I've been taking three. I'll have two in my bottle when I wake up in the morning from the previous day. I'll put four in the bottle. So I'm, I was saving up. I was so proud. Nobody knows this code but me. Nobody knows about this but you and me. So nobody's going into my bottle. Well, 
I'm so mad right now because I brought this up to Lily and this happened to her. A few months ago, I got the prescription and I came home and I counted them as I put them into my safe. I was four short. So I called the pharmacy and I explained my situation. Well, Christy, I asked her and, I, and she assured me, Terry assured me that this is it. And I went back and looked in the bottle and then we went and looked at the security tape. I said, okay, fine. I begged my husband, tell me the truth, please. Did you do it? Knowing that the bottle left the pharmacy counter in my hands, in my truck, directly into the bedroom, into my safe. Nobody in my family was anywhere near it. I was four pills short. There was nothing I could do about it. So the next time I went back in, it's 180 pills I get for a month. Would you please count them for me, in front of me? I try doing it. It's slower. They do it faster, and I watch them. They're a lot faster, 5, 10, 15, 20. I can do it thanks to Schoolhouse Rock very, very well, but it's hard to grab those little pills and do it quickly, and they do it and make you look like a fool, but still they can do it. So the next time I come in and the woman that gave me the pills that shorted me asked me, oh, I, I thought there was a problem last time. Did you want to go ahead and count them? And I said, oh, you know, it's all right. I've, I'm okay. I just, you know, because I'm embarrassed, you know. It's like I'm questioning their integrity and I, I'm embarrassed, you know. And then I'm needing a pain medication and I feel like they're looking at me. And then again, why do I give a crap what these people are thinking? They're working for me, right? I don't mean it like that, but I'm getting to my, my point here. I'm not trying to be rude. I don't have her count them. I come home. It's 180. It's exactly right. Then the next time, my husband goes in and picks them up. And he says, Christy, it says on there, Terry counted it twice. And he's like, I, 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 do you still want me to have her count them? And I went, oh, I really trust her. And, you know, no, this is embarrassing. Just go ahead. Just, just grab it. So my husband brings it home. Now, say what you will. I know for a fact because my husband knows. First of all, the only way to divorce me is he has to cheat on me. So that's the only way. When he proposed, I said, you don't have to do it, but if you're going to do it, there's no out clause. You cheat on me, you're dead. And, you know, dead to me, whatever, but still just, you're gone. But there's nothing else that's going to cause problems for a divorce. But mess with my pain medication when it is such a struggle because I am in constant pain would really upset me a bit. And, you know, they say happy wife, happy life, and I guess that just makes me sound a little bitchy, but... I don't like having to take this pain medication and sometimes it's just no other way. It hurts. And even then, the pain barely eases up and you're lucky if it just just makes it a little better. And then to find out that this happened to Lily in the UK, she was supposed to get 36 and she got 27. Now, when you go back into Target and you bought a 10-pack of soda and when you walk back into Target and you said only eight cans of soda pop was in this 10-can package, they say, oh, I am so very sorry. Here's a new 10-pack. 
Amazon. You can't get it in the door and they scan that code any faster than you get your return. Whether you've returned the entire package or not, you could have bought a package of screwdrivers, taken out the one inch Phillips head screwdriver, whatever it is, then sent it back saying I didn't get it and still get your money back. If you want to be crooked, I'm not suggesting, but I'm just saying it's that's what how it is. God forbid you don't have enough pain medication and you call the pharmacy. Well, how stupid am I? The same person verified the count. Seriously? And I trusted. And the reason why I'm pissy is because last night I was really starting to hurt a little bit. But not really. It was just weird. I could tell that my body was going down. So I did what I was talking to you about the muscle activation and stuff. And I was stimulating. And I talked with Mary Jane about it today. She said I was doing the right thing. That I was stimulating muscle activation by exercising the muscle. That's what I talked about. Where physical therapy will activate the muscle if the fascia has not surrounded it so last night i said you know i'm gonna go ahead and count my number of pills and i am trying so hard not to cry because man this kills me i count my medication there's 27 pills left i got 180 on february 7th i'm allowed six a day i've been taking like i said four Yesterday, I took two. Because I'm not collapsing, my pain is not so bad. But sometimes that pain now is so hard in the areas where I know there's some adhesions left or where the muscle isn't staying on. It's, it's starting to turn off a little bit, but now I'm learning how to do it. It's quite painful. So I'm counting my medication now, you already know, we're fighting doctors. We're trying to get new forms of treatment with fascial remodeling, being laughed at, being turned away by our friends because they think we're just lazy scum. And I count those pills and I say, wow, I better call because I've only had a, like four days where I've taken a total of six and I've been taking four and I've been real good. And I said, so I'm, I need to call because... I'm surely close to my 30 days. And I went and looked and I went, I don't have any more until March 8th. And I only have 27 pills and that's like four days and, and, or, you know, four and a half days kind of, and not that I'm taking six, but if I was allowed that, because sometimes it's just that bad, you know what I'm talking about. And I sat there and I begged my husband, please tell me you took them. Just tell me. He says, Christy, I have no idea how to get into your safe. He said, and another thing is, I know better than to touch the pills in your bottle. And he just had surgery. And the doctors gave him nothing. I was 45 pills short. 45 pills short. And I was like, I, I, can't, I can't call and say I don't have it because you know what? They don't believe you. 
If it was a case of soda, I'd get a new case. If it was a suitcase vinyl player, just like I got my son, I returned the 30th day because we realized that it really was cheap. He's into vinyl, loving it, and it's skipping these $30 and $50 vinyl record albums that I used to get for a penny at Columbia Record House. So God forbid I can't afford to keep scratched records. So I needed to invest now that he's really so serious about vinyl. <laughs> it's so cute. I love it. That I needed to investigate him another player. And luckily I had done it within the 30 day margin of Amazon's window. It was due yesterday. It was the 30th day and it had to go back today. And I've already gotten my $53.45 credit. It really was cool with Victrola, and I thought it'd be sufficient enough. And then I read up on it when he asked about the skipping, and I was like, "Just put a quarter on top." He goes, "No, mom, it's not the needle; it's the thing, it's the bounce." And then I investigated that suitcase record players were really not that good, and I want my son to have a good experience. And so, anyway, but I got my money back already. I got my money back before we made it home. How am I going to get those forty-five pills? So my positive, because I tell you, every time something bothers me, now this happened this morning, happened at one o'clock this morning, and I was supposed to try to talk to my friend who was in Perth. She's 13 hours away. I'm learning all the time zones. Lily's five hours away. Anya's six hours away. Uh, Jennifer's 10 minutes. <laughs> Neely's 30. I got it. Bobby's 45. I, I got that. But the thing is, I have nobody to complain about, about my medication. So I thought, I need to talk to Dr. Jones. I've only had one time in the years that I've ever dealt with him, I had a seizure, and that was in 2016. I had a seizure walking with my son to the food line, and I remember coming to and walking back with my son. And when I came back, I didn't have my purse. So my husband went down the walkway and he found, and he couldn't find anything. And then the next day, somebody returned my purse, but my cash and my medication was gone. So I called Dr. Jones and because I had filed a police report, because it truly happened, Dr. Jones refilled my prescription. So I thought, I'm calling, it's a Saturday, I'm going to call Dr. Jones and call his office and say, I need to talk to Dr. Jones and I can't talk to the nurse. I need a televisit. I have an appointment coming up Tuesday, March 7th. And I'm like, I'm not going to make it that long. I mean, I've had some days where I've taken two and three, but it's kind of because I know I can take six and I haven't. As stupid as it sounds, I have to play these games with myself because I don't want to be addicted and, and, lose, and lose the power of what it does for me, even if it's a placebo effect. The fact that it's slightly manageable, and I'm telling you, the pain that I'm in right now because I realized I'm 45 short, and I was supposed to be ahead, that's what's killing me. So I called Dr. Jones's office, and I was like, I'm going to need an appointment. But hey, rather than get a phone appointment with him or a telehealth thing, did he have a physical appointment available? And he just so happened to have an appointment on Thursday. And I said, I'll take it. And then I even went, do you have something even earlier? Just checking. But that's okay. 
because I think I know I will manage that 27 from Friday yesterday when I found out because I was going to take one and when I realized that that's what I had until I had spoken with my husband because he was asleep it was one o'clock in the morning and I've kind of been in a blur I've kind of been out of it because he was in the hospital and I've been up and I'm not used to being up for so long and I'm kind of tired but I can breathe and I feel pretty darn good and I'm just fighting being tired a little bit but I, I get a little lost here and there and I'm thinking to myself, I can manage. Once I found out from him for sure that, you know, he wasn't playing a trick on me or anything like that. I mean, it just kills me. When it was brought home, it was sealed up. It was stapled. No, he didn't unstaple it and staple it again because it was stapled tightly shut. He took a picture of it before he left the pharmacy and it wasn't tampered with. So I know my husband didn't touch it. So it kills me. The fact, this is my positive here, the fact that I was able to get in with Dr. Jones a week earlier is a blessing. However you want to look at it, I'm going to make it work. And I'm going to explain to him what happens. Now, I called the pharmacy that does our cat's medicine, our cat, Ella. <laughs> we have Ella and Emma, and they're sisters from the same litter, but I believe they have a different father. Did you know that? A litter of cats, can uh, she can get pregnant by two different daddies in the same litter. So it's like they, you know, they, they came out, their tails were stuck together, and they cut them in the wrong spot. And Ella barely has a tail, and she's about four foot wide. And Emma's about four foot, you know, long with a tail. And she's super skinny, but her, I mean, it's just so funny how they are. But Emma irritates Ella, so Ella's on Prozac, and we have to put a little bit of cream in her ear, and it's a special compound. And the vet sends the prescription into a local pharmacy because they do compounds. So I've never dealt with them really on my prescriptions because I said, oh, they're fancies. You know, they, they won't do anything. Well, today, and then there's that whole thing where you have to call and I'm like, okay, well, my doctor's in one city, but I live in another. And some pharmacies don't want to take narcotics when the doctor is not in the city where they dispense. Then there's that, well, why are you changing thing? And then there's that question, will they have it? So I had to leave one pharmacy because I'd verify they'd have it. And then I'd come in to get it. And then they said, well, it was promised to so-and-so. I said, but you said you can't promise this. And so it became one thing after another. Then it was never there. And then I had to wait three or four days. So then I go to this other pharmacy, same company, same chain. And then I keep getting shorted. And... And you can't return it. Hello? And they don't believe that you didn't get it. But take back in some underwear. They'll take it back. You can even return a toilet seat. I mean, they take these things back in, but you can't get a return on the medication. You can't get what you were shorted. The minute you walk out the store, it's done. It's gone. I don't live life like that, but I have to with my medication. And again, I'm pissy. Why? Because seriously? 
You're battling this disease. You're trying to tell people how it is. And then you think you're doing good and giving yourself an attaboy, girl, out of you. And then you find out this. And it's not just you. It's happened to other people. And we just have to be a victim. A victim all the way around? I think not. That's why I'm telling you, work on your fascia before it stops working on you. Now, I am sure, I mean, you have heard it many, many times if you have not spoken it ourselves, right? That phrase, that's a weight off my shoulders. Now, it's, that phrase, I don't know, it's, it's like associated with the heaviness or the tenseness that we feel, you know, when you get that, that neck pain, that upper back pain, your shoulders, and it, you know, it's, oh, now I'm thinking, like, right now I'm going, okay, relax, straighten up that neck and pull down, I want to be, like, in traction, I'm just, like, pull it up, because this is a physical response that is likely coming from anxiety, worry, some form of emotional trauma, And it's my physical response, that tightening up to emotion. And you know how that's done? Through soft tissue. And in particular, our fascia. The connective tissue around our organs, muscles, joints, bones, and nerve fibers. Our bodies are able to remember or store emotions Because our fascia makes up such a large part of our physical being. It is also, it's it's the primary source for storing our emotions. Our bodies hold this information below the conscious level as a protective mechanism and become state or position dependent. That's why you get stuck that way. That's why you can't stand up straight. Now, Although that information is stored in our fascia, we are not consciously aware of it. However, the body's own protective mechanism steers us away from the position that our mind-body awareness considers painful or traumatic. The images of trauma and injuries that are held by our fascia battle the forces of our body's everyday movement, creating, holding, bracing patterns to avoid the original pain. For example, a stiff neck, tight upper back and constricted shoulders, soft tissue work such as fascial remodeling can bring our baddies, our baddies, that's right, they can bring our baddies, that's right, our bad bodies, damn straight back to its position prior to the trauma and can allow or release the emotions to be processed. Once released, authentic healing can begin by taking that very weight off your shoulders. Christy Lynn Hanchi, AWOL Zebra, thank you so much for being here. Work on your fascia before it stops working on you. Have a lovely day.